Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Kant, author of the number one bestseller, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And my mission is to really help those sensitive souls like you who are listening in really to harness your intuitive manifesting and healing superpowers. And you can enjoy your life this way and not have to suffer from symptoms. I do have a free gift if you don't already have it. It's called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power. And you can get that free, sensitive si- sorry, sensitivesoulguide.com, sensitivesoulguide.com, and you'll be entered into my mailing list. And every week I do a light medicine weekly newsletter where we talk about what's going on in the spiritual world lately, anything that Source wishes me to communicate with you, as well as um, you know several other offerings, including like, this radio show and other things that may be of interest to you. Yes, so sensitivesoulguide.com for your free gift. And today I am going to be interviewing Miguel Mendoza, who I've interviewed a number of times on my show, talking about this phenomenon of e, what we call ET contact. We've talked about hybrids. We've talked about you know the different people he's connected over the years, his own personal ET contact. And now we are going to kind of blossom that conversation around um, art and creativity and how these can be channels for healing uh, and his own journey as tr- in terms of, hey, how has that changed and morphed over time now that he's been so exposed to what we call the extraterrestrial phenomenon. So um, he has a background in forestry and horticulture, journalism, geography, history, social science, and environment. He's worked internationally as a researcher, writer, campaigner on renewable energy before becoming an independent researcher. He then published books on a range of themes, like I mentioned, including ETs, hybrids, and disclosure, the social history of the UFO topic, wisdom, and art and creativity. And now he makes music full time as Sokamer. Oh boy, <laughs> I did it wrong. Sokamaru, and has just released his debut album titled "On Out Into." And you can find him and his beautiful work at the links below in the description underneath the show. So welcome, Miguel. Thank you, Karen. Lovely to be with you again. Yeah, same here. I, I think I needed to pronounce that multiple times and practice it for a day or two. <laughs> we can get that off, like rolling it off, you know. Um, so Miguel, uh, lots, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of things have uh, changed and blossomed since we last spoke. I mean, I don't, I, I think I've lost count how many new books you've published uh, of late over the last uh, little bit. And uh, now there's this whole, you know, connection that you made with um, me and and Faye Vale, for example. Uh, the uh, I call it, you know, ETR, alien art. Uh, and it really speaks to me, some of the work that I've seen her do, and now you've connected me with other artists, similar, and then there's music. So tell us about this journey of yours from, you know, being an ET contact experiencer to where you are right now. Well, what would the short version be, I wonder? Well, you can do the long version. <laughs> ah, um, Obviously, in, in interviews, I talk about different aspects of this stuff, and, and sometimes people do a thing where they find somebody they've not discovered before, and they will jump right in, and they'll hoover up all that person's info, they'll read the books, they'll uh, hear the interviews, and I'm sort of conscious about of not giving too much repetition, 
for those who are well acquainted, but for those who aren't, I could say that both contact, whatever you want to call it, and art have been with me all my life. It's just that in many ways they seem to be uh, more closely intersecting at this point in my life than any other. And you know how it goes if you say buy a red car, suddenly all you see are red cars. And so as I pivoted from being a writer to a full-time musician, suddenly all I started to see was art and I started to experience the world through the eyes of the artist. And in so doing, I found myself drawn to the idea of creating videos, music videos, where I would take the work of artists that I really love and connect that with my music. Oh, cool. So I've done eight or nine at this point, and a number of them are experiences. And the, I mean, here's the thing. I create electronic music, and the way that I do that makes it very difficult to create music that does not sound like the soundtrack to a contact experience. There's just something in the way that I make music and what I feel compelled to make that does have that feeling that I've had in what might loosely be termed contact experiences. Mm. And it is ultimately highly euphoric. It's generally created in a major key. It definitely has that mystical feeling to it. And I've recently been working on a concept album about famous UFO encounters. And so talking to people, you know, witnesses, researchers who have been very close to these cases. And I'm always left with this, this feeling of the mystical because it seems to me that the contact phenomenon and all its related phenomena are innately mystical and mysterious. They are things that are almost by definition beyond us and our ability to nail them down in great detail because they're so different to us in our in let's say our ordinary lived experience the way a human being routinely experiences the world is somewhat closed off we have enormous capabilities related to our ability to sense beyond the physical senses we have enormous psychic potential. We have things, ways that we're able to tap in. Our consciousness is an enormously powerful thing. And it gets massively underused, as I'm sure you have written about and spoken about for <laughs> many years. And I feel that art, in many ways, is one tool 
through which we do make contact. Uh, you interviewed Faye. I have witnessed Faye creating her art and she, when she's creating it, is in a kind of trance. And she would say, it's not me doing it at all. I'm just holding the pen. But she was commenting on the fact that she was watching the pen move as an observer. Like she was sat next to me on the couch watching a third party creating this piece of art. And I think that for many, many people, it is a given that information comes to us from elsewhere. Now, whether it's our higher self or it's some other consciousness sending it, that's a different question. But there is a long history on this planet of, let's say, scientists, engineers, chemists, mathematicians, as well as artists, composers, musicians, and on and on, writers, who get visions, who hear music, and their, their compulsion becomes, how can I capture this thing that I have seen or heard? And often they find that it is of significant significance to other people. The DNA molecule is one example that we hear of from time to time. It's, but it's, it's strange that we don't dis discuss it more often. It's strange that we're not, as a culture, more switched on. But then that may just be the fact that we live in a very scientized, very materialistic kind of culture in which we're taught to fear and ridicule and ignore our psychic potential as well as our other gifts, let's say. So when you make mm -hmm. art, I feel like whether you're aware of it or not, you're almost making the deal. You're making a contract of some description. You're saying, here I am. My channels are open. Please send what, whatever it is that you want to share. And it might be that it's just for that individual that they go ahead and create something, whether it's a, a sculpture, a painting, whatever it might be, collage, it could be anything, but it might just be something that as, as the individual is creating this, they are learning something. They are amazed by what they're seeing. They're creating something that they didn't set out to create at all. They just sat down and suddenly found themselves making. And before them, by the end of it, like typically with experiences when they are very aware of, of how they work, and I interviewed a number for a recent article, magazine article, when they are aware of the channeling, that this is coming through them from themselves or somebody else, they tend to not judge it. They tend to be very allowing of it. And, and often will find themselves looking at it as if for the first time, but they've never seen it before. It's very different from 
conventional art, if we can use that term, where people might say, well, I know what it is that I want to create. I have the end in sight before I begin. It's quite a different thing for people who are practiced in this. They will simply get the urge and they'll know it's time and they'll go and they will go to their studio or they'll pick up their pad and start to sketch in front of the TV, whatever, wherever, this thing starts to come together and they understand the mechanism. So they just allow it until it's done. And then they will typically say that they are very aware of when the piece is finished. And they'll simply put it down and they might sit with it for a while. And they may even, as Faye does, turn it around because sometimes she discovers that the image has actually been created upside down. When she was making it, she had no idea what wow. she was making. <laughs> That's neat. Yeah, it's wild. Or she might turn it on its side and suddenly see all the beings. So having witnessed this, I feel like this is absolutely legit. I have never sensed any kind of deception in her. I just don't feel like she's wired that way. I feel like she's a person of absolute integrity and what I saw, I just don't, I just don't see it, it would be faked. And as a quasi-scientist, as a social scientist, when I am looking into anything at all, I am applying at least some elements of the scientific method and I'm looking for, I'm looking to falsify or verify what I'm seeing and there's all sorts of ways that you can attempt to verify or falsify rather um, any particular study, any particular phenomenon but with something like this it is quite challenging to falsify it and, it, and it's equally difficult to verify it so ultimately all you can do is go with your instincts and trust your intuition, trust your discernment and, and frankly that's only if you want to ask the question. If the question has no value then all you need to do is enjoy the artwork. It, it's sort of irrelevant where it comes from. And even to Faye, she would say, I don't know where these come from. I don't know the beings by name. It's not that level of relationship. I mean, there's other channels out there, people like Rob Cothier, who have been intimately connected to beings by name like Ardiff and Treb for many, many years at this point. So it's it's different for everybody I would say but there when people are very aware of it those commonalities seem to exist and they seem to get an enormous amount out of it a lot of joy and they're able to share it and share that joy with others do you feel like that's like not that there has to be an ulterior motive or purpose Miguel but do you feel like part of that um, you know, bringing that consciousness onto paper or music or sculpting or whatever is to bring joy? 
I mean, I mean, it's, I, I know it's your own personal perspective, but do, do you really feel like that's one of the key purposes? If there is a purpose, is to bring joy to others and ourselves? I actually do, yeah. It might sound trite and it might sound unsophisticated to some people who are very sort of academically arty. And there is an art world that is, it's full of snobbery and and its own levels, I think, of, of delusion and, and narcissism and I think the <laughs> stuff that gets really twisted up. Right, right. In that, I, I have a far more simplistic view in a, in a way in terms of what art is. Mm. I mean, I can share a couple of my thoughts on on what it really is about. Yeah. I think there's a few I think there's a few yeah. things that art has always been there as far as I'm concerned to help us to process our experience for one thing. Because this is a very complex thing and we are very complex entities and our our relationships, our interrelationships are very complex things and all the stimulation that we have all of the all of the control that exists in our cultures in our societies the difficulty in self-knowledge there are so many we could be here for 25 minutes listing all of the things that make the human experience a very complex and difficult one and I think with something like art it is its job maybe it is most fundamental is to help us process and deal with this experience help us to understand it it also allows mm. us to represent it in terms of representing it to someone else we can try to capture something of our experience whatever that is whether it's an internal experience or an external one if you like whether it's it's sort of introspective or it's externally physically active there's a tremendous amount in us that we want to say that we want to communicate and sometimes we don't have the language or sometimes we might have a vision but we don't feel like we have the the illustrative or painterly skill to represent it but maybe we have the descriptive linguistic semantic skill that we actually can get down in a poem a five-line poem maybe something that we could never draw and vice versa and so on and so on so I think what we're trying to do is to help other people to see what we've seen to feel what we've felt and beyond that I would say there's, there's scores of other things that art does for us, but I do think one of the most important is that it allows us some peace. It allows us to process experience. For example, on the most recent album I put out, which is titled Into Galactic, one, I was about halfway through the album and sat down to make some music to create a new piece and then I read that the war had broken out in Ukraine 
Wow. And I found it so just I, yeah, I, I I would struggle to find the words. I mean, heartbroken, distressed, anxious, all of those things, fearful of for all the people that are that are trapped in it, mm. including Putin himself. Mm. Absolutely everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No matter where they stand in it, their soul on some level is suffering. To create something, to do something like that, I mean, you absolutely have to be destroyed as a soul to think, I am going to send thousands and thousands of people to their deaths for my, for my gratification or whatever. And... Uh, and I thought, well, I can't possibly make any music because I just want to make happy music. And I can't. I, I, there's absolutely no way. And I thought, well, I'll just have to go do something else. And I thought, hold up. Here is an opportunity. Why don't you just try to capture what you feel right now in a piece of music? And... So the way that I went about it is I, because it's a concept album, it's all about me getting off this planet and heading back out among the stars for fresh adventures. I thought, okay, the way to do this is to envision myself maybe 300 years in the future as some other being, some other time and place, but with the capacity to look back on this time and place and try to capture, as best I can, the emotion that I'm feeling now, but from that enormous distance of time and space, such that the feelings are attenuated. And so I created something that just has this very sort of desolate, sparse, ambient quality to it, this sort of emptiness that I felt as I read those headlines, as I thought about what was coming. And, and when I finished this piece, I must say it is the most peaceful I've ever felt after making any piece of art. Mm. It it. It's, I could feel how this had been poured out of me and into something else. I felt, I wouldn't say cleansed or purified, but I felt a certain emptying out of those emotions that I had really put them somewhere. And I thought that uh, people would really not, I would almost not notice this piece of music on the album because there's a lot of very dynamic pieces. But oddly, or to my surprise at least, I found several people who heard the album and made comments, said that that was their favorite or their favorite one or two tracks. So that told me that somehow this piece had reached them. Something of what I felt and had tried to express, had touched something in them. Mm. 
Wow, is that the the distant memory of war on the intergalactic album or is it, is. it okay yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting because it starts subtly and then it and then it becomes expansive and uh, I I don't know I don't think I mentioned this to you but um, I got a sound table uh, from Dr. Jeffrey Thompson many many years ago before we did the whole MP3 you know flak player thing and I haven't mm. figured out technically how to connect the table to a flak player um, because uh, you know in the past we used CDs right. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so, the, so he said, you know, you can't do MP3 because you'll lose the quality, and you know. Um, so I've figured that out. I mean, the newer people that have the sound table actually, when they buy the sound table as a sound table um, practitioner, which I didn't do that um, course, they actually get it with a laptop <laughs> um, that has the whole, you know, players and all this kind of stuff. So I think some of your music would be so amazing being felt on the sound table where we literally just lie down and immerse ourselves, not just auditory, but kinesthetically, deeply with with the music. So I'm going to figure out how to do this, Miguel, because I, I just, you know, um, it, it's it's. I think it would be really, really profound. And not to mention, I also have my sound table in the middle of a copper pyramid, so... It's going to be amazing. Out of this world. Ooh, tell me yes. <laughs> more about the sound table. Oh, well, you know, so this is a table. It's a, it's a patented uh, technology from um, one of my colleagues, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson. He originally was a chiropractor, and he started – but he also has a um, Bachelor of Music, a Bachelor of Arts in Music, and um, he was well-connected to NASA, interestingly, um, mm-hmm. So he was able to, with their permission, uh, use several of their tracks, um, and their tracks were like the um, the ionospheric particles of the different planets, so Earth, mm-hmm. Saturn, Neptune, etc., and beyond. So he has all these weird sounds on there that normally, you know, people don't hear on music, right? Uh, but he made a way in which um, it turns into healing music. I'm not telling you the techno- all the technology. It would take like half an hour to explain it all, but... Um, so he uses this table to help people heal, and he can actually tune it to their particular vibration, like I am F plus 27, F sharp plus 27. Um, and so he made music for me, because I went to go see him, and I made music that my uh, consciousness would know that's really me. So it's really feeding back to who I really am. And so then he layers in the the, the space sounds and his regular art, the electronic music, you know, similar to what you make uh, in there. Um, and uh, But you can also buy, you know, just off, you know, off the website, um, his ones for deep sleep and, you know, different things. And they're all amazing on the table. I just happen to have gotten the one specific for me. Uh, but as I'm listening to your music, it really reminds me of this one album he has um, that is basically the solar sounds. It's not even music. It's basically solar sounds. Um, and I remember listening to it at the beginning because it's all this weird, you know, kind of Star Trekky kind of sounds. And I was awake. I was lying down, but eyes closed. I was awake, and I was just listening to, you know, Neptune and Saturn and whatever, the moon or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I re- I wake up and realize that I was just out, like out. I was gone. I don't know where I went, you know. And then I look. I tried to figure out what, which one it was, like which planet it was that I was totally out because I was like, oh my gosh, do I resonate with Neptune or Saturn? You know what it was? It was Earth. 
<laughs> the earth and ionospheric sounds, I just, it just totally went deep. I went so deep. I don't know where I went, wow. but it was just an incredible healing experience. So I just think it'd be really cool to, to play yours. Like I said, I got to figure out technology-wise how to, what plugs into what in the amp and whatever to figure out how to, how to get your, your music in the sound table so I can experience it full body because I'm a very kinesthetic person. Uh, that'd be so exciting. It's wonderful. So we're we're going to make sure we have that link, um, you know, with with the radio show page so people can find uh, your your music. Wow, that is fascinating. Yeah, yeah I I, uh, I did see that on um, uh, I don't know one of these websites, uh, space dot com or something like that. I did notice. A few weeks or months back, that they had some similar stuff. They had the sounds of different planets, where they'd had, um, you know, sound equipment. They had the ability to get some sense of, you know, what was happening sonically on those worlds, as well as resonant frequencies and stuff like that. And I. You know, it's been on my mind for a while to channel that into the music somehow, to take those samples and um, run them through my system and just do something ambient with them. But it's it's one of those things that I think for most experimental musicians, that idea is going to have appeal by nature because we're always looking for fresh, unique... Right sound and everything else hitherto we've had has been from this world even if we're able to continually innovate in in sound design mm -hmm. and what we're able to pick up through our technology of sounds within nature but to get sounds from off planet I mean for most experimental musicians that is certainly going to be appealing yeah mm -hmm. that's cool well we'll have to connect you guys <laughs> sure thank you case it resonates oh my goodness that's great so so one of the things that we want to ask you uh, because you know you've talked to a lot of other artists who've had ET contact and is exactly how does that work like how, like what is it like to quote-unquote channel um, now you mentioned before that you know with with Faye you know she's just it's almost like she's witnessing herself you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, doing that, and it's not really her, but she's just kind of moving, and so, so, but how does it start? Like, how, how does that, like, what's your experience, or what, what's their experience of, how, how does one start doing that? Like, what does it look like, feel like, etc.? Well, in the article I asked the uh, six or seven participants this question, and they all have their own sense of it, but... Commonly, they describe an intuitive process, a kind of guidance. So they will get a sense of the dots, lines, connections, the way they select color, the way they blend color. Mm. All of these things be feel intuitive, like they're being moved quite naturally from one thing to the next to the next. Mm. And often they'll say they don't really know what they're doing. It's just sort of happening. I mean, the, uh, a French lady, Dana Zaruba, said, I feel like I've stepped out of the way of myself, allowing the forms, wow. colors, and messages to flow. 
She says, I often feel quite sleepy initially, and this is usually a signal that a message is wanting to come through. I feel calm and anchored when I let it happen, but when I try to interject my own ideas, there is no doubt that I'm essentially shushed and told to be still. <laughs> when I allow it, the process goes very smoothly. It's quite lovely, actually. That's really interesting. There's an um, Australian artist, um, Peter... I'll have to find his surname. He said, I, at times I've felt a little absent from my body, definitely like something was coming through. I did have a sense of achievement afterwards, like I'd helped to create something or build a window into another dimension. But he also said that at times he could see beings in the artwork and on one occasion he felt like the wrong beings had come through. So his friend, his friend looked at that piece, then fell on the stairs, which he took as a sign, and he said, I destroyed the piece and became more discerning then. Mm, but interesting. all of them, I mean, there's a guy, uh, I did a video with Ruan Paul de Silva, uh -huh. who said, in terms of what he feels, he says, joy, clarity, peace, bliss. Mm. He says... I've spent a lot of time outside of this connected state experiencing the contrast. Mm -hmm. On the human personality level, when I'm in the process of flow, honoring my passion and joy, I relax into myself. I'm comfortable mm -hmm. in my own skin. Whenever you enter this space, it benefits more than the individual. All is woven in connection. I mean, you could put that on anyone's tombstone and it would stand mm -hmm. for all time. All is woven in connection. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And that's very curious and interesting. You talked about the other artist's experience uh, of, of, you know, maybe channeling a dark or darker or lower vibrational being coming through. And um, so I think that if someone is out of their bodies, maybe is it hard, potentially harder to discern these things, uh, as opposed to being fully present in the body. I just have a big thing about being present in the body. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like doing art, it, it can allow you to be very absent. When you enter the flow state, you're not thinking in a very in concrete terms necessarily you can get very lost in the process when you really have your technique down and you're not worried about technique and everything is literally flowing, then sure, if you are, let's say, uninitiated and you haven't had the experience of something you feel that may be dark, nefarious or just wrong for you come through, maybe you wouldn't notice it immediately but I think over a period of time if you figured out that there's something that's come through that you didn't like you may begin to tune in more to that energy and if you are as you say particularly present in your body then you may pick up on when though when those shifts are occurring within the self and whether something feels off, whether, I mean, I get it in my music. Mm -hmm. it, I'm not putting it down to one thing or another. I'm simply saying that I know if I'm going in the wrong direction with something. 
and generally the only place I want to be is making things that are very positive, that are sort of powerful, powerfully positive. The thing is, my take on art ultimately is that most artists, if they are able to create and able to get out of their own way and and not let their ego get too involved and not worry, let, you know, let go of expectations, let go of judgments from themselves and other people and right, right. all of the nonsense that can hold us back, the typical limiting beliefs and limiting structures. If you can just let go and just make art, it's like it's like being able to swim with a clear mind. You know, when if you've ever done a lot of swimming laps or open water swimming, when you just get into the rhythm, the literal flow, and everything starts to kind of quieten down, and all you really hear is the water and your own breathing, and those are very repetitious and meditative. I think any of these things can get us to a place of sort of internal peace, internal quiet. And I think that doing this makes us happy. And if we're happy, it can improve our relationships. And this, to me, is, is why I'm on such a mission to encourage people to make art in a judgment-free zone. Because it makes happy people and happy people make people happy mm. in general I mean sure I get it it's easy to see how tricky it is to stay happy and positive in the world but it's even harder if you don't make space for yourself if you don't take the time for yourself to create peace to create tranquility and to create this internal communication where all these different bits of you come together. I mean, it happens in dreams every night where the mind seemingly attempts to organize itself. It seems to try and organize experience and organize learnings and messages and even warnings. So again, in this whole conversation, over and over again, I feel like we're coming back to the complexity of the human being physically, emotionally, psychologically, philosophically, spiritually, we are very complex beings. And the more that we can find practices that allow for an internal union, communion, the, the, better, the better we feel, the better we do in life, this is part of, I think, self-mastery. This is part of self-empowerment. And really it starts with just admitting to ourselves that we do have the power to choose what we do and how we spend our time. And even if you can spend five minutes a day doing a little doodle, it might just be important. It might be meaningful. You might create something that when you weren't judging it and you were very switched off and it was just sort of happening, you look at it and you think, I would never have sat down to do that. 
but my subconscious created this thing and I just learned something about myself by seeing what my subconscious chooses. Right, so it's like this uh, exploration into deeper or depths of ourselves and just not being attached to the outcome. And I think that's um, that sounds like, you know, the, the a kind of a difference between maybe, I'm not a professional artist, so, <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing the difference between, you know, somebody hiring you to paint something of their family or their land or something like that and having this, you know, defined outcome of where, what it needs to look like or be like or, you know, for the happiness of this other person and just mm -hmm. being that clear uh, channel for spirit, source, whatever you want to call it, um, and allowing those higher frequencies to come through. And I'm, I'm guessing, uh, Miguel, that, you know, we're not just talking about art or, you know, poem writing or something like that or music. I mean, this can extend to sculpting and dancing and singing and all sorts of things, right? Absolutely. I feel like it just does go for all of these activities. I mean, dance is a fantastic one. There's that great line, dance like no one's watching. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I love that line. You know, it's like singing in the shower. It, there's times when we are free of judgment. And, you know, there's that amazing line or lines in Apocalypse Now when Colonel Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando, and I believe this was um, ad-libbed, oh, um, really? he said, have you ever considered any real freedoms? Freedom from uh, expectation, freedom from the expectation of others. Or is it freedom of judgment? But you know, ultimately it's the same thing. It's, it's, it is that sort of karma yoga thing. It's action without expectation. You just do, but you don't, you don't load down the doing with expectation of it must reach a certain, it must perform for you. It must do certain things. It's like, I guess maybe with dogs it's slightly different because you train them, but I'm a cat person, I have a cat, and I don't expect anything of her other than for her to be a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the very best thing that she can be. And and I just I just laugh like an idiot at her doing the most basic things. <laughs> it's just so funny to me to see a being completely in charge of itself and just expressing its nature in everything that it does without ever second-guessing itself. It's just, here's what's up front for me right now. I want to eat. I want to wash. I want to sleep. I want to sit on your lap, Miguel. Whatever it is, there's, there's so much that we can learn from the purity of animal nature yes. and that animal nature in its most um, benevolent I would say unless you're talking about hunting and killing but in its most benevolent or at least benign I think applies to art that you just do the thing but you don't worry about what the thing what other people think of the thing you're doing what 
you feel is necessary for you at the time, which again is a great line in a movie. I think it's Three Kings. It's something uh, George Clooney says. He says to some character, he said, you know what the um, most important thing in life is? Doing what is necessary at the time. Mm. And I saw this when, I don't know, I must have been in my 20s or something when this came out, and it might sound trite or strange, but it sort of blew my mind to think that to consider this question of what is the most important thing at any given moment and then do that thing because it's the most important thing. Now, when it comes to art, because of the way that we structure ourselves in our economy, we put art lowest and least and last mm -hmm. generally yeah. in school. And if they're going to cut programs, it's going to be music, it's going to be the arts, but they're going to keep pumping money into sports and you know, science, technology, engineering, maths, all of that stuff, because that's the sort of world we live in, even though mm -hmm. all of those areas of life, all of those functions, all of those aspects of the economy are bound up innately with human creativity. If creativity stopped, life would stop. Right. Life itself is creation. It is creation and recreation and procreation. I mean, of course it is. There's, there's no other way for it to be. So the idea that there is nothing sacred or important about art is self-evidently absurd. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a, one of my uh, former pet peeves was just about how they're just going to pour all this money into all the left brain pursuits and sports. I think that was more of a pet peeve uh, because I wasn't that athletic back then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to cut the things that we liked, you know. Um, and sometimes I think they were thinking of cutting out physical education as well, thinking that was extraneous wow. and not necessary. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is so true. It's, it's so funny, our society, how, you know, we just applaud these certain aspects. I, but I think it's getting clearer and clearer to people, at least to people I hang around with, mm -hmm. that this balance of, of that you know, science and art and left brain, right brain, you know, um, and then the exposure to other evolved societies, whether it be direct in conversation or just a feeling or sensing or remembering past or future lives, um, that that is becoming more and more, at least on the energetic level, um, you know, more important to us as humans. At least that's my, you know, maybe it's a wishful thinking, but... Um, um, I just feel like even though on the outside we're skewed, you know, in, in this, you know, predominantly, you know, money, you know, whatever society, that there's a, a bigger and bigger underground swell of the appreciation for what other people call the little things in life, you know. Um, the art is not necessarily, you know, shouldn't necessarily be considered uh, extraneous or luxury or anything like that. It's just natural it's just natural yeah. and creative and and okay so so maybe they don't teach it in schools anymore but maybe that wasn't the best place to have it anyway <laughs> well i mean here's the thing how upside down this is i don't think anybody in our culture could be unaware on some level at least that art therapy has become massive i've done it myself yes right 
when I got my MS diagnosis, I plunged into the dark night of the soul that, well, went on for many, 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 many years. And perhaps never quite ends because it's a hell of a thing to deal with. So art therapy was certainly something that I was... Um, it was a thing I was offered at a certain point. They said, well, we've got all these different kinds of therapies that we do. And here's the list. And I jumped on art therapy, amazed that anybody would offer it. And when I did it, I found that I was absolutely kind of, I would say, emotionally constipated. Like I just could not get into <laughs> the reality of, of what I was feeling about what I was facing until I had an enormous sheet of paper in front of me and I'd been doing these real detailed, very controlled images. But at a certain point, something snapped in me and I, I turned this crayon on its side and just started making enormous sweeping motions over the page. And as soon as I broke out of all of those constraints, I broke out of that emotional constraint and it all came tumbling out and I was finally able to get real about my emotions, about where I was at and how I felt. So again, art has that kind of role to play, that kind of benefit for us in therapy, in dealing with crises, of which there will be numerous in any given human life, mostly related to loss, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, and then you have, of course, crafting. It's not, it's not Bill's art therapy, but it's amazing how many people have taken to crafting in in all all stages of life that the age I'm at being a gen Xer I was around for the first kind of or a recent hipster revival of knitting yes 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 it's I crazy. saw some of my young people just I was like what has gotten into the boys? I've never seen boys knit before, like not where I grew up anyway. Like they wouldn't knit, they wouldn't sew, they didn't like pretty stones. I'm like, this is really very interesting, you know? And it was just this whole trend. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, and it and it doesn't seem to be in any danger of stopping. You know, <sighs> there's a huge chain of craft stores, art craft stores, that are so big that they're now on retail parks. They're not mm. little art shops anymore. Right, they are yes, we have ones called big. Michaels. Right, this one's called, what is it called? Oh my God, it'll come back to me. Um, yeah, oh, they're huge. God, it's wild. I can't think what it's called, but the, the one in Britain is massive. They have so many branches all over, wow. and they have absolutely everything from stuff where you'll... You'll just buy a piece of uh, ceramic or whatever and paint it to all the kits, all the tools, all the mm -hmm. pads and easels and stencils. I mean, absolutely all of it. I mean, it, it goes into sculpture, art, illustration, 
um, a painting, um, and there's a huge section for sewing and knitting, and it just goes on and on and on. And I haven't seen all of it, but it is always doing really well. And the vibe in there is quite wonderful because people are way less stressed. Like if you're in a supermarket, people are sort of blasting around trying to get the thing, <laughs> get in, get out. And in lots of other places, you know, people can be, you know, exhibit certain kinds of retail stress. But this is one of the, it's a kind of oasis on this particular retail park where people just drift around like they are half asleep. They're just chilling out and and I think it's because they are the association with relaxation is so strong when it comes to art. Oops, I had myself muted there. Um <laughs> yeah, I I totally get that. Um and um there is a movie, I think Christian Bale's in it, I'm trying to think of the name of the movie now, um, where they, they, that it was outlawed, emotion was outlawed, and art was outlawed. Do you remember that? You couldn't read a book. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of that. Movie. I think I know the one you mean, and is it the one where he wears like a, a sort of calf-length long coat? And yes. Yes, and he's of martial arts, right? He's one of the warriors that actually yeah, goes like in a... and finds the rebels, right? And they yeah, the it's sort rebels. of like a poor man's matrix or something. I think it might be called Equilibrium. <laughs> yes, 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 that's it. Yes. Yeah, it. I've only that's seen it. it once, but um, yeah, it sort of reminds me of the kind of very gloomy sci-fi that they made when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s. Particularly seventies sci-fi was really dark, which is you know no surprise given you know the people making it um, were dealing with the Vietnam War at that time, and you know a lot of people in the industry would have been you know involved in World War Two and Korea and all the rest of it. So you know I mean this is the thing we are all subjected to so much craziness in the world in terms of how destructive humanity is that I think when you, we do stuff that's constructive, that's creative, there's something about that that brings important balance into the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Miguel, this has been an amazing hour with you today. I'm just, you know, I... I it's like bringing healing through art and all these different avenues uh, to people, through people. And uh, I think it's, uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what, what you come up with in the future. <laughs> um, well, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we say our goodbyes for today? Uh, nope. Um, other than to mention that uh, myself and a colleague are in the process of putting together a workshop series on the healing power of art, where we'll do, um, you know, all kinds of different aspects of what art offers us, and we'll do that over 
probably one workshop every couple of weeks, something like that, and people will have some interesting homework and time to share their work and collaborate, and uh, it's going to be loads of fun. So I'm organizing that with a friend at the moment, um, so people can keep their eyes peeled. They can reach out to me uh, personally if they're interested in finding out more, and um, I'll certainly be putting stuff out on my website, on social media, and uh, we'll reveal all, hopefully in a couple of weeks' time, but we're just sort of finishing uh, writing the course at the moment, but we're really looking forward to it because we met through doing a collaboration on one of these uh, music videos, and her art just never ceases to blow me away, and we, after that, just got into a discussion about how healing we have found art personally mm. and you know the idea just grew so you know we're we're putting that together right now and hopefully that will launch in maybe about six weeks something like that sometime oh in the summer. well that's great well by the time you know we air this episode um you probably will have been launched so i just want to let people know we will put the links uh near the the podcast description and um uh, if you have a pen handy, if you want to check it out, uh, you can go to miguelmendonza.com. So that's spelled M-I-G-U-E-L. And M, uh, sorry, and that's the first word. And then the second word, um, all one word, Mendonca, spelled M-E-N-D-O-N-C-A.com. So miguelmendonza.com. And then the uh, the um, the music, uh, Sukamaru. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> S-O-K-A-M-I-R-U.com. So S-O-K-A-M-I-R-U.com. Miguel, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being a light and shining with the world and for connecting us to so many beautiful artists and ET experiences and uh, inspiring others to, you know, connect in as well to that place within themselves to, to heal themselves. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, lots of love. Bye for now.